I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, this is Nadine Dietz, host of CMO Moves. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thanks so much for stopping by today and to give you a quick overview on what to expect. CMO Moves is all about game-changing leaders, their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. I hope you'll enjoy their stories as much as I do and take away a few tips and some inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to CMO Moves. Today is a very special edition. I'm so excited to have the fabulous Katie Couric here with me on CMO Moves. Katie, hi and welcome. Hi Nadine, thanks so much for having me. Excited to talk to you too. Oh my goodness, I've been so excited since I knew this was coming at what, a week and a half ago. I've been counting the days because I have so many (laughs) questions for you. (laughs) And I'm really excited about some of the things that you're working on because they're so important right now. Um, But before we jump into those things, I mean, you're just a phenomenal role model for so many women and men, frankly, with everything you've achieved in your career. Can you just give us a, a little bit of a background on what, how did you get started and what are you most excited about having accomplished? Wow. That was so my career in 60 seconds. So I'll try not to go on and on, you know, right now I'm in the process of writing my memoir. So I've been going back in time, reading letters. My dad wrote to me in college and my mom and looking at old today show clips. And when I was in local news in Miami, so it's all very fresh in my mind. Um, You know, basically, I grew up in Arlington, Virginia. My dad was a print journalist. I think he saw early on that I had some talent for writing and that I was extremely outgoing. And he really encouraged me to pursue a career in journalism first in college when I worked at various radio stations in Washington, D.C. And then later when I graduated, I worked at uh, ABC News in Washington and CNN, and then I went to local news, and then I came back to Washington, covered the Pentagon, got the job on the Today Show, then ended up at CBS at the Evening News for five years, did a syndicated show, and then went to Yahoo for about five years. So I've kind of done everything in, in every medium of the media that you can think of. And um, I, I'm really excited because I think I'm I'm, I really have always embraced change. I'm interested in constantly evolving. I love to pay attention to media trends and stay on top of them. I like to look for new and interesting ways to communicate with an audience. I like new challenges. 
So about two years ago, I started my own media company to take advantage of the panoply of options that you have in terms of content creation and content consumption. And I have been excited to enter the podcast space. I have my own podcast called Next Question and a special series I'm doing with Bozema St. John, who's a terrific person, just got a big job at Netflix as mm-hmm. their new CMO. Um, I have a newsletter called Wake Up Call that lands in people's inboxes every morning that I have a terrific team working on that. I'm working on uh, developing a number of documentaries. I've done many digital short series. I did one called Thank You Notes, uh, where a mentor and a mentee kind of got together and talked about why they inspired each other and the lessons that they could share because I'm a big believer in the power of mentorship. Wish I had even done more of it than I already did. Um, and and so I, I did a series called The Bright Side with Ally Financial about really extraordinary things people were doing during the pandemic, including a man who was providing sinks to the homeless population. Mm-hmm. And um, I felt like people needed to be inspired during that time and still, the time we're going through because it's certainly far from over. And I've been doing a series with Time Magazine uh, called Time Reports, Mm -hmm. where I interview medical experts, people on the front lines of the pandemic, but also now as we've gone into a a new era of activism around Black Lives Matter, um, where prompted by the murder of George Floyd, I've been doing many interviews about that as well. So, you know, I just am doing a little bit of everything and P.S. writing a book, which is taking a ton of time, but it's really fun and interesting. So um, I'm just excited that I keep reinventing myself and I keep recreating what it means to be a communicator in, in modern times and how we can take advantage of it. You know, I remember Nadine being at Yahoo and a person I work with named Liz said, Katie, there's this cool thing called Instagram. You should really get on it. And I was like, what? Uh, I had the same attitude about Twitter back in the day. I'm like, who who cares that I had a tuna fish sandwich for lunch? And of course, it's turned into this huge platform. And I joined Instagram and I'm close to a million followers. And it's really a way that I can personalize content that I can communicate with my followers. I try to make it extremely interactive. I can talk about things that I care about. I can show videos that I did in the past. And I, you know, it's really like creating your own little network with social media because I read a statistic needing that 70% of people consume their news and information through social media, especially young people. So I've really tried to fully take advantage of it and iterate content for different platforms, which is something I really learned when I worked at Yahoo. Yeah. Holy cow. There's so (laughs) much in there. (laughs) When you said you do a little bit of everything, my God, it's like you're doing the work of 17 people. It feels like. I I like to work, you know, I like to stay busy. I think my parents ingrained in me the importance of being productive. And so um, I've always had a a pretty good work ethic and, you know, I enjoy it. And I'm one of those people when I have downtime, it makes me anxious. 
<laughs> so yeah. I like, I like being focused and I like working. Great. I, you know, so I am clearly impressed with everything that you're able to do. And, you know, I have so many questions about specific things that you mentioned along the way. Um, really intriguing, but I have to ask you one important umbrella question. Like, what is the, your purpose? Like, what, what is it that you like to achieve? I think that I've always wanted to help people understand the world. I think I have this natural insatiable curiosity that has not slowed down with age. And I'm just genuinely interested in the world. I'm interested in people. I'm interested in what they're doing, what they're thinking. I'm interested in understanding cultural trends. I'm interested in, you know, processing change and helping other people process change. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we're going through so much as a country and I think we're evolving so much, but, you know, through cultural conditioning and the implicit biases that we've all established because of our, you know, internal and external forces that shape our thinking, it's sometimes hard to backtrack and re-examine issues and ideas. So that's something I really love to do. I did a, an hour documentary. It was a documentary series, but one of them was on Confederate statues. And I did it in 2017. And I was very interested in all kinds of Confederate iconography, especially because I'm from Virginia. My late husband went to Washington and Lee. He really was fascinated by the Civil War. And I did a whole hour really tracing the provenance of these statues, when they were erected, why they were erected, and how they're much more than just statues commemorating the Civil War. They were actually an act of political defiance against the US government. Mm. And integration, for example, after Brown v. Board of Education, they were an act of defiance that were erected during the Jim Crow era. And so, I think there's so many people who have such strong opinions, but I always say they have opinions without portfolio. So what I like to do is to, I, I hope, helpfully provide some context and history and the backstory. So when people have an opinion, at least it can be an educated one. Mm. At least they can understand how someone else feels about a situation. And I think in the case of Confederate statues, I think I was able to say, this is why so many Black Americans find them deeply, deeply offensive. Mm -hmm. And I interviewed Mitch Landrew, I interviewed Brian Stevenson at the Equal Justice Initiative, and I went really all over the country. So what I like to do is kind of unpack complicated stories. I like to help people connect the dots and honestly, I really like to just illuminate and enlighten them about various issues. And I think now more than ever, you know, that's needed because we're getting affirmation instead of information from various news outlets. And I think bridging that divide is, is really, really challenging. So that's one thing I try to do. I'm not always successful, but I feel like you know, it just breaks my heart that we're so divided and polarized. I've been saying that for years now, mm -hmm. but I don't think we've seen anything like the level of polarization we're witnessing today. Yeah. 
Wow. Okay. So thank you, first of all, for your efforts to do that, because I agree with you 200%. I think information and education is the number one most important thing we can do right now so that we can actually make meaningful change and educated change. Um, and I say that because, you know, you and I have a common friend, Bozema, and on March 27th, we hosted a DNI summit and she was one of our guests. And this was two days after the killing of George Floyd. So as you can imagine, anything we were prepared to talk about went out the window, right? Right. And in Bose, we asked all of our speakers come with three actions. And she said, I want everyone here to become an angry black woman. Be enraged, be enraged, be enraged. And it wasn't be enraged to go be angry, but be enraged like this is not okay anymore. And we all need to take action to make change. But when we look at some of the things that are happening, people are responding without knowledge. They're not really effective and maybe counterproductive, right? And so decided we're gonna continue and do these forums. And so three days later, we put together a state of revolts and we brought 14 powerful black leaders in to share how they were feeling first and foremost. So, you know, empathy is the quickest path is proximity. We asked them how they were leading and how we could all help make change. And the impact of that was so powerful. Um, we decided to do it again. We did it for Pride Stars. We're doing it for Asian Americans. And That's we, great. we can't stop, right? We need to keep letting and providing forms for people to be heard, but then providing education and, and action steps. So I, I didn't mean to like take away from what you were saying. No, just, no, I, no. I think that's awesome what you're doing. You know, I think it was a would be nice if proposition for so long or we really should. And now it's you must. Mm -hmm. And I think that whether it's through shaming, which is an incredibly powerful tool, that it's just non-negotiable now in almost every sector of society to not be only an ally, but an activist. Mm -hmm. And, and so I think uh, what you're doing is, is incredible. And I think it's a really, really exciting time. Yeah. And you're doing so much work on this front. Like, you know, we just mentioned Bose, but you're doing so many things, but is that the premise behind your podcast with Bose back to business? Yeah. Well, you know, it started, before George Floyd, actually. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had met Bose. I had interviewed her for a series I did with The Skim called Getting There, where I just wanted to talk to interesting women about their career paths and how they decided to pursue what they pursued and kind of inspire younger women to, you know, mm -hmm. just hear about different paths. And I really liked Bose. I mean, she's such a, a force and she's so larger than life vibrant and, and such a presence. So we were going to do kind of what's going on in the future. You know, what will life be like after COVID? All these thought leaders talking about what is going to happen. We have that, you know, like Brian Chesky on, we had Judd Apatow, you know, just different people to talk about different sectors of society. And then George Floyd happened. And I said, Bose, I called her and I said, you know, we have to, we have to do something now on this. Mm -hmm. And she said, okay. And so we did a podcast on George Floyd and we've done others. 
obviously, it, I mean, it's a question now in every conversation about racial yeah. injustice. And so we kind of pivoted, but we're still interviewing people like Brian Chesky. But of course, with our conversation with Brian, we talked about diversity on his board and diversity in the executive ranks of Airbnb. And we'll be interviewing Bob Iger soon. And we'll talk to him about all these issues because I think it's become not only life after the pandemic, but how we improve society vis-a-vis racial justice and opportunity and equality has just become a primary focus for every conversation. And how exciting and important is that? Yeah, absolutely. And you and I were chatting just before you know we got on to, to record here about how important it is, especially in the world that I live in, the world of the CMO, you know, that CMOs really help lead their companies through this because they own the brand. And there's a lot of discussion right now about the difference between brand purpose and cause marketing, which we all know they have been different, but there's almost a, a forcible push that they become one. And how does, that, how does that actually work? And what is their role in leading it? And I know you do a lot of work with brands around this yeah. area. Well, that was Nadine, the whole idea behind our company. Um, you know, I wanted to continue to create content, to continue to explore these different areas, these different realms of media. And we started thinking about the business models and business model in digital content and CPMs. You know, it's, it's, I just really didn't want to get into that world. It's really difficult, as many of your listeners know. And we decided to create a different model. And using sort of my experience, the fact that I've been doing this for quite a while, I mm-hmm. am trusted and credible, I think, I hope. <laughs> of course and, you are. <laughs> you know, so we decided to reach out to brands that we respected and that we thought were doing great work that cared about more than just the bottom line. And P.S. now... They really have no choice, not only because of employee retention, millennials especially do not want to work for a company that they don't believe has a, has a higher purpose. And then consumers are more savvy about where they're buying their products and what companies they want to support. So we started working with Mark Pritchard, who I'd gotten to know through P&G. And, you know, Mark has really been on the forefront of this effort. He has done such tremendous work on race and gender equality long before it became kind of trendy or required or expected to do so. Uh, We work with Ally Financial and uh, Andrea Brimmer is a fantastic CMO and we did the bright side with her and, you know, she really cares deeply about so many issues. And so, you know, we're just working with these companies that I feel really, really care about things and have shown us that that they're more than selling soap or you know opening bank accounts. We work with Sleep Number because I care deeply about health and wellness. I'm doing a project with Merck. I started Stand Up to Cancer with some other type A women and I've been doing a series about cancer in the age of COVID. And mm-hmm. we're doing a project with Walmart, United Health we hope to, to work with because again, I've become so associated with health and wellness and mm-hmm. cancer prevention, but that has expanded for me to in, an involvement in all kinds of health-related topics. 
and mm. whether it's access or, you know, neurological diseases like Parkinson's, my dad died of Parkinson's. So that's something I care deeply about. I'm very involved with Project ALS. So all these companies that are associated with healthcare and wellness, um, you know, this is where uh, there's an intersection between my interests and passions and the things they care about. And as you know, it's all about storytelling now. You know, mm -hmm. advertisements are fine and they still work, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. But I, I like to tell stories and I'm interested in how a cancer patient, and I've met this most incredible woman named Sarah Sanders, who was diagnosed with breast cancer uh, right at the beginning of the pandemic. And she was such an incredible person. And I was so honored to actually meet her and make that connection and we've stayed in touch. But I like to introduce people and introduce topics to listeners or viewers. And I just like to share with them. Mm -hmm. And as I said, inspire them, enlighten them, make them feel like, wow, I just learned that, or I, mm -hmm. I'm looking at something a little differently now. And maybe feel connected too with other people. So I always tried to be a journalist that covers things with, with humanity and heart and hopefully intelligence too. And I'm continuing to try to connect the dots and do, do things that, that show the human side of all of us, if that makes sense. No, I love it. I mean, hey, hence the tagline of this podcast. It's the human side of the, the leaders, right? You yeah. Know? And so I'm, I'm really grateful to have you on. And you know, I, I certainly don't want to make you uncomfortable, but many of my listeners do know this, uh, just so you're aware. <laughs> um, I actually just lost my mother to stage four ovarian cancer through oh, COVID. I'm so sorry. No, it, uh, it's it's something that we knew was coming, but with that particular cancer hits, it's it's fast and hard. Um, and she lived in France, and while she took the turn for the worse. I was actually going through my own radiation treatment because she actually saved my life because if it hadn't been for us helping her, I wouldn't have gotten tested. And I was really lucky that they found like literally very early stage breast cancer. So I'd done the surgery and I was in the middle of radiation and I couldn't get to her mm. and I lost her. And um, this isn't about me, but this no. is about everybody else. And I have been vocal about it because I want people to get tested. And it's really important that they go get tested to, it may not save their life, but it could probably help and it would help their loved ones. And so anytime you want to do anything on stand-up cancer, call me. I'm I will. Thank you. And I'm so sorry to hear that about your mom. And I can't imagine how, I mean, I've lost both my parents. We were very close and I miss them every day and think about them all the time. And it was so, so painful going through it. Neither of them had cancer, although my mom had Hodgkin's lymphoma, which ultimately, I mean, she was 91. Mm -hmm. But, and I think when you get to a certain age, you have a lot of different illnesses along the way. But I can't imagine not being able to be there and not being able to have that, that time with someone that you're close to. And I'm just, I'm so sorry that that you had to go through it and that your mom had to go through it. You know, I interviewed a chaplain for my Time Magazine series and, you know, she was talking, I mean, she was just extraordinary and talking about how to minister to people during COVID, the fact that you can't 
touch them and how tactile mm -hmm. um, it, it is to comfort someone and to hold someone's hand and to look at them and to be with them. And, you know, she could sometimes just put her hand on the door of the hospital mm. room or, you know, it, it's so, so I, I know how difficult that must have been for you. And I'm glad you were tested it because the other thing, Nadine, people are worried about is that because of COVID and I'm a big proponent, as you probably know, of early detection, I'm mm -hmm. like the colon queen because my first husband died of colon cancer. And a lot, there's a lot of concern that people are not being screened or getting the care they need because of their fears about COVID. And mm -hmm. Uh, I talked to Bill Nelson, who's very involved with Stand Up to Cancer, who's the head of uh, the Kimmel Center at Johns Hopkins. And, you know, that is a really big, big area of concern. I'm just curious, if you don't mind my asking, yeah. are, are you BRCA positive? Thankfully, no. She was. And that's why that started the testing process. So specifically, she was the, the BRCA2. Um, uh-huh. And um, so I had to absolutely get tested. I was negative, but they found early breast cancer in the process. So it doesn't wow. mean you're not going to get it right. But no, of course. Yeah. In fact, so, that's oh, that's a really important thing to say. I think it's just that your risk is is much is greatly increased if you mm -hmm. do have the BRCA gene. And so yes, and that's like family history and colon cancer. You know, right. no family history is no guarantee. Eighty percent of all new cases had no family history. My husband had no family history. But then again, people didn't really keep records very well right. back in the day and weren't aware. And Jay's mom had ovarian cancer. His grandmother had breast cancer. There's some concern that these glandular cancers are connected. Ergo, your mom's ovarian and your breast cancer. So mm -hmm. there's still so much about cancer. We're, I mean, we're at such an inflection point. There's so much exciting research going on, but there's still so much we don't really understand about genes and about cancers, but gosh, they're making extraordinary progress with things like immunotherapy. So it's, it is a very exciting time. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and again, I would love to have you back anytime to share more so people can learn. Well, yeah, we'd love back, to get you involved in Stand Up to Cancer too, if you'd I'm like in. to. 100%. All the there. money goes to research and our whole approach is we have dream teams. You know, when we started mm -hmm. Stand Up to Cancer, I was frustrated because I was doing so much research for Jay and it was a very siloed um, uh, discipline, if you will. And people weren't sharing information and research. And we thought, why not collaborate instead of compete? Wouldn't we all be better off if we took the most brilliant minds in the country and had them work together? Initially, they were quite against the notion, but then they started, it started to really make them excited and then we kept supporting them financially. And we've contributed to, I think it is now six new FDA approved drugs for wow. various cancers and raised over $600 million. So oh. it's been, it's been quite, it's really my, one of my proudest accomplishments. Well, good for you. And thank you. And I, I really appreciate all your efforts there. Anything I can do to help you, I'm all yours. Um, and I, and we have so much to learn still, like you said. Um, so let's, let's definitely make something happen there. That'd be great. Um, let's, let's come back to what you were talking about earlier when you were talking about Mark Pritchard, um, and you were talking about 
working with some really leading class brand marketers in how they're approaching this time. Um, again, back to education is key. You know, Mark was actually one of the, the main collaborators on the first DNI summit. So I was uh, honored to get to work with him as we, we put that together. His whole opinion was it is time to double down because unfortunately companies are starting to back off of investing in initiatives like diversity and inclusion. And a lot of that comes from the pressure on their budgets, you know, or they got their ad budgets pulled or they right. have budget, but they don't know what to do right now because they're frozen and, you know, and, and the focus is off. And so it was almost like, I, I actually kind of believe that one thing always happens to solve another, whether you like it or not. And sometimes it can be extreme, right? So if you saw COVID, what was happening, we were pulling back not me, but a lot of companies pulling back from their DNI investment. And it was almost like, okay, nope, you're gonna pull back. Here comes, bam, social injustice. And it forced people to remember like, this is important. And not only is it important, but our entire economy is at risk if we don't write the inequities and if we don't create equality and then not, and we have to double down to make that happen. So, you know, I, I know you do so much work in this space. What is your opinion? Like, what can we do right now to make a difference? Well, one of the things I think uh, that, that the pandemic revealed is the level of the disparity in terms of the people who were being diagnosed with, with the disease and who were dying from the disease, how it was disproportionately affecting communities of color, Black people and also Latinx. And it almost in a weird way exposed this ugly underbelly that was was in plain sight for many years, but people chose to, too many people chose to ignore it. And this mm -hmm. inequity, not only just, just in almost every aspect of our lives from housing, you know, these have deep historical roots, all these inequities yeah. and, and really quite malevolent origins when you think about it. And so I think that it was sort of this weird wake-up call for so many people who didn't really understand systemic racism and how it has festered in our society for, you know, gosh, hundreds of years, really. And so I think awareness of these inequities and, gosh, what, what can be done? Well, obviously, you know, it's really important what you're doing, Nadine. It's important to have these conversations to make sure that we're, we're making up for past, for past sins, honestly, mm -hmm. and that we are really taking a look holistically, societally, about how neighborhoods and people, I was watching somebody do a talk, I think it was on Sean King's Instagram, about the police in Syracuse and about how nobody lived in Syracuse. Mm -hmm. And then therefore the tax base in the city itself was so low. And that tax base of course contributes to education and housing and you know all these things that are all connected. So anyway, it's such a massive issue. Right. But having these conversations, I think you have to be aware, you know, you have to have an understanding what needs to be done. And then you have to have the actions, the real action steps. So I think we're at that moment where we're realizing change needs to happen. More, more people than ever support Black Lives Matter. That wasn't the case before George Floyd. 
And now that we have the buy-in and the effort and, and an increased understanding, we have to start coming up with real solutions. And that's, I think, at the state and local level. You have to get mm -hmm. involved. You have to make your voice heard. And you, I think change starts at home. You know, you have to make sure that you're, you're checking your own implicit bias at the door and that you are really looking at yourself and your own attitudes and your own cultural conditioning. You have to look at what kind of culture do you want to create and what kind of opportunities do you want to give people to start leveling the playing field. Um, as I said, it, it used to be kind of, well, that would be nice or we should. And now it is, we must. Right. Yeah. You know, it's so important what you just said, because if everybody just took accountability for themselves, think about how many things we'd solve. And getting somebody to a point where they understand that they need to be accountable for something is, is already a hurdle. Um, but once you cross that, that you need to be truly accountable for driving change. And, and, and I, I say think that, also, yeah. I was going to say, Nadine, I also think like, uh, you know, it's not enough to say we're going to do this or, you know, we're going to try. I think, mm -hmm. you know, companies, you've seen leaders like the, the new head of NBC Universal make real commitments mm -hmm. and saying, we're going to do this. Right. You know, we're going to have more people of color, more women in leadership roles, you know, by the way, just not on camera, but in the executive ranks where mm -hmm. the real decision making happens. Um, right. So I think you're starting to see people saying, you know, we're going to put our money where our mouth is. And it's as my daughter would say, it's a bad look if you mm -hmm. don't. Right? right. It's just, you know, it, it's it's going to have ramifications. And not only does a diverse workforce uh, is a better workforce, but if you don't have it, there will be ramifications uh, when it comes to the bottom line and profitability. I think it has to be a 360 you mm -hmm. know, approach. There has to be diversity behind the scenes. You mm -hmm. know, I think that consumers and the media and people in general can smell a phony a mile away, like greenwashing. When when companies pretend to be sort of really into environmental sustainability, but if they're not really doing it um, and it's just really just for the PR value, right. I think that can backfire terribly as we've seen. So yeah. um, I think companies have to, to really think about what they're doing, not over promise and under commit, right? right? Because that will come back to bite them in the ass, I think. Oh yeah. So there are thousands of things I want to keep talking to you about, but I want to be sensitive to your time because I know we're, we're coming up to the end here. <laughs> I have just a couple more questions for you. If you can hang oh, in Oh yeah. With me. Don't worry. Yeah, of course. I mean, God, I mean, I think you have to worry about your audience. Like how much more do they want to listen to me? <laughs> <laughs> I, I know my audience would love to hear everything you have to say. Um, but you know, I, I think I'd like to keep going down this path because I think it, it, you know, it's really interesting and it comes back to something you said at the very beginning about your use of social media. You know, as many, many brands are thinking now, oh gosh, what do I do? It has to be authentic. It has to resonate inside out. You know, they're looking at different avenues for spending, for communication and social media is really growing in value because it's right. more authentic way to connect 
you know, heart to heart. And you've had experience across the full gamut. Do you see a shift in the form of communicating and in your business which, you know, I'd love to just make sure I really understand how you can help uh, the brands who are tuning in, you know, with Katie Kirk Media, like, what are you seeing? And, and how do you help brands navigate this in important time? Well, social media is incredibly powerful, right? I think that people do feel almost, almost as connected to me on Instagram as they did when I, when I was on the Today Show you know, and I was mm-hmm. having two babies and I lost my husband and then my sister. And there's this intimacy, I think, that is created and a connection. And I think that, you know, in aggregate, if you get powerful messengers that care about some of the same things and want to do a project together, mm-hmm. um, that I think is a way to reach many, many more people than even television would ever reach. So, you know, I think it's all shifting and whether it's through a documentary or as I said, a digital series, an Instagram post and, or anything else, um, you know, I think I I know how to tell stories Mm -hmm. and I know how to get messages across. And if you believe in something strongly as a company and I believe in something strongly, I feel like together we can create pretty extraordinary content. Oh my gosh. Yes. You know, and um, it's exactly why we launched the platform called Brands Together. So it's Slack and we have about 450 brand marketers that are coming up with some really out of the box ideas on how they can work together. Um, One of them was actually 14 sports CMOs came together from all the different leagues, the NFL, the NHL, NASCAR, I mean the whole list. And they did the Real Heroes Project to uh, celebrate frontline workers. The one we're working on right now is really important too, and probably a whole nother podcast is Feeding America, No Good mm-hmm. Hungry, Gen Youth. We're working with all three of those because one in four kids right now have no access to food in our country. So and crazy. It's, it's something that we can solve for 10 cents a meal. And the fact that brands can't contribute enough money to solve this problem, it's time, like I said, if everybody could just be accountable, I have 10 cents do you have 10 cents? We could feed somebody a meal right now. And so that is something we can do because brands have the power to be a force for good. Definitely. Um, yeah. So I, I would love to talk to you about that. I will say I will probably be in really hot water if I don't mention the fact that our mentee program, our mentee group, like we started this mentor program, we have over 250 of the world's top CMOs and CEOs as mentors. And they're just volunteering to help the the next generation into the C-suite and with a real focus on diverse talent. Oh, that's awesome. It's been amazing. We have 350 mentees in our program. And just the things that I mentioned that we're doing in the Brands Together platform, they have their own platform. And the things that they have come up with have been unbelievable. Like, I just can't wait to tell the world about the collective power of like-minded individuals, all from different backgrounds, different parts of the marketing ecosystem, just saying, we are going to go solve this problem and we're going to do it now. And I'm, I'm overwhelmed. It's, it's, you know, it's so cool. So yeah. Yeah. You mentioned mentoring and mentorship and I know they listen too. So if I didn't give them a shout out for how cool they were. Uh, they that's were, nice. They well, were really tell them I said <laughs> hi. And that's awesome that you're doing that too. You guys are doing such great things. I'm really 
proud and impressed with, with the things that you're doing to kind of usher in change and to open up, you know, opportunities for, for more people who really, really deserve them. Oh, well, thank you. Well, I can't let you go without one last question because um, I know we're going to launch this podcast on a very special day for you. And I'm really excited to be part of it. So let's get together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We're doing the Parent Trap Reunion, which is really just a labor of love by my assistant, Adriana Fazio, um, and me. I'm, I'm a big parent trap fan, but Adriana is next level parent trap fan. And I was doing an Instagram live with Nancy Myers at the beginning of the pandemic. And I've always been a big fan of Nancy Myers movies. And we said, oh, and Lindsay Lohan popped in. Mm. And during the Instagram live, we're like, hey, Lindsay. <laughs> and so we thought, wouldn't it be fun to do a reunion of the parent trap? And they had never done it. So Adriana pretty much spearheaded the whole thing. And we did a Zoom and Dennis Quaid, I mean, the whole gang was a part of it. They were so great. I think they got a kick out of it. They had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun putting it together. So we've done this little special, this digital short. It's I think a little, what, 12 minutes long. And uh, it's basically kind of going, tripping down memory lane about the parent trap. And of course, talking about the beautiful and wonderful Natasha Richardson, who passed away, who I knew through various things. And, um, but it was just a very sweet, sentimental uh, afternoon where they were all reminiscing about how much fun they had. And it's going to be a fundraiser for right. the World Central Kitchen because they said, we'll do it, but only if it can be a fundraiser. So mm -hmm. we're supporting Jose Andres and all the incredible work that Jose has done. And uh, it's going to be launched, yes, the day this podcast launches, wow. on the, which is the 22nd anniversary of the movie coming out. So it's a lot of fun. And I hope everybody, uh, you know, watches. It's on my Instagram account, at Katie Couric. And uh, I think people will get a kick out of it if they're a big fan of the movie as well. And I just would love even $5 to, to help support Jose's efforts and the World Central Kitchen, which is providing millions of meals to frontline workers. Um, it's also uh, supporting communities that have been hard hit by the coronavirus and businesses that have been hard hit by the coronavirus. He's, he's really doing God's work out there and he needs all the help he can get. So we're really quite thrilled to be able to support him. I, that's amazing. And whatever we can do to help him too, I, uh, we are all in because obviously we have a, a huge interest in making sure food gets to where it needs to go this well, year. Tell your listeners to go to, you can text parent to 80100 and that gives a $10 donation or you can go to wck.org slash parent track. <laughs> You're Adriana is helping, helping me with this because, um, yeah, it's a lot to remember. But anything anyone could do, if they appreciate, if they appreciate everybody getting together from the reunion and the hard work we put into it, we just had so much fun. So I hope you guys watch and, um, yeah, tell us what you think. 
We will for sure. And I will put all this information into your article on adweek.com, which will host this podcast. And therefore um, people don't have to hit replay all the time to hear all those numbers. So we'll, <laughs> yeah, that would be great. We will, we'll I put can it all barely remember, them. so I, I, I can't blame them if they can't. Well, Katie, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate you being here. Oh, of course, Nadine. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, I would love your help in sharing CMO Moves with one of your friends or colleagues who you think might enjoy it too. And if you have time, I would really love your review or ratings on Apple or SoundCloud. So thanks again and have a great day. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 